Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, Binkley and I both have hit this from different directions. The Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry now murder investigation and search for a suspect. I've got tons to say on this, but I'm going to get let you uh, lead us off, Binkley, what you got. First of all, give us an update. Here's the update that's relevant to the points that I want to make, and that is that yesterday the FBI officially asked for the help of the public. And this is after that. it was declared a homicide, meaning somebody else was responsible for the death. Go ahead. That, that's what I noticed, too, because the Boston Marathon bombing, the FBI came out and said, help us find these two guys. And I was like, you know who those two guys are. They're on your terrorist watch list. They live one mile from the bombing. They were highlighted by the Russians, supposedly. I've got insight into that. I won't get into. But it reminded me of that. I didn't believe it. The guy was declared a person of interest on September 15th. The, uh, his parents said he was missing September 17th. The body was found September 19th. And they can't find this guy? Exactly. And I'm going to touch on that here in a minute. But the big why behind this, when I say the big why, I mean, I believe I have identified the broader national narrative that this story is ultimately serving. Because that's what you always got to look for when you see these little stories. There's always a bigger narrative that they're serving. And And there are always multiple purposes. Yes, definitely, definitely multiple purposes. So the key thing to remember there is that the FBI did the open call for these online LARPers who love playing amateur detectives to do the feds work. A LARPer is a live action role player. So in other words, they have asked American citizens to be the eyes and ears of the FBI on the ground. Of course, they've already been receiving tips from them. Here are a few of the types of tips that the FBI has received. I'm going to give you three of them real quick uh, because they are relevant to the overall point that I want to illustrate. Tip one, a few days ago, a girl on TikTok posted a video where she claimed to have picked up laundry as a hitchhiker and given him a ride. I'm not going to go into the details of it because the point is the TikTok video. This girl actually went to the police with this tip before posting the video and then after going to the police, posted the video with no objection from the police. Now, why would the police be okay with a random TikToker posting vital information to a federal investigation that's ongoing? Because she has broader reach to the target audience they want to seek clues from and compel to come forward to than the police do. People who would have clues about this guy, who are following this blog who might have also picked this guy up they're not watching and waiting for police updates they're watching tiktokers be online sleuths and report on this that is why they turned her into the eyes and the ears and the mouth of the state go ahead i don't know what you mean the eyes and ears and the mouth of the state i mean the police could have reported this through an update but instead they used this tiktoker to get this information out there because the tiktoker was more relatable they were the ones on the ground who understood the audience and who actually did pick up the hitchhiker this has the common theme of whole of society policing using the tiktoker as an arm of the police force in that instance i did also think it was weird that her entire instagram catalog too perfect it's always been too perfect for my tastes has been She's still up there. Yes. And this girl's video who said she picked this guy up as a hitchhiker was played on CNN, MSNBC and all these other local networks. They were airing repeatedly a TikTok video and discussing it for hours. A TikTok video was the primary breaking news around the story. That is interesting in and of itself. Second tip. This came from a 
post of an image from a hunter's deer stand camera that went viral on Facebook a couple of days ago. The image was of a swampy, foggy haze and a bald man carrying a backpack kind of off in the distance. Now, I could call 50 guys right now who are bald, white, and have thin beards and say, I can't believe what you did. I've alerted the FBI to your whereabouts. That's what's essentially happened here. You can't tell who this person is in the woods, but the post that the guy made on Facebook, along with this picture, said this. I'm not saying this is the guy, but whoever was on my trail camera this morning in Baker, Florida, strongly fits the description of Brian Laundrie. Authorities have been contacted, but people in Northwest Florida better be on the lookout. This went so viral that the local authorities had to come out and make a statement and say, look, we're aware of the photo, but there's not any evidence that this is the guy. Now, maybe it's the guy, or maybe it's some random other hipster who has a thin beard and is bald. But Nevertheless, this was a random citizen being the eyes and ears of the feds on the ground and reporting a tip to the FBI. Number three, 911 call says he witnessed laundry slapping Petito across the face in a domestic violence. And all of these things have one common theme. Average ordinary citizens eager to report tips about what they think is solving a crime to the FBI. This reminds me of something. What happened after January 6th with the online sluice, the sedition hunters that were praised by the media? Just the doxing? No. The sedition hunters have been credited with identifying a lot of the people who were at the January 6th rally by going through their Facebook profiles, alerting the FBI, and then getting them arrested. The same thing is happening here through TikTokers who are scowling the internet and alerting the FBI with similar type tips. The FBI is using society at every angle to solve crimes. Why? Because in the fight against domestic terror, which the third prong of this is Operation Flashpoint, where they're training people as to what materials that people might buy to create a bomb, they are creating a whole, whole society approach to keep people's eyes and ears open to certain types of people. Now, this suspect is a bald white guy who, if you put a red hat on him and a flag in his hand, would look perfect at a Capital 6 January rally. This is, a, this is a guy who, if you put him inside an Ace Hardware buying certain materials, would look like the type of suspect who might be making a bomb. I'm not saying that he is that type of guy or that they're even going to claim that. What I'm saying is they are training the public to identify certain types of people to be on the ongoing lookout for domestic terrorism plots around the country. They want the society to be the eyes and ears. This is a live nationwide live simulation training that most of the people participating are unaware they're involved in. Yeah, I agree. Like after today, I just thought this is there is something really wrong with this. And now I think they're going to find this guy in the drink. They've got like divers yeah. out. So he's probably suiciding. There are going to be other sub factors here. There's going to be the mental health issue. There's going to be, um, of course, they have the race thing. I actually looked into missing persons. There's 20,000 missing persons. Absolutely total right now. I put a, um, a link in the show notes. They are predominantly white not black like they would like you to think they're 60 percent white you hardly hear of any of them they're 60 percent male you hardly hear of any of them um the average age is 18 and uh, so there's some of that there there's going to be this idea about domestic 
abuse she the way and I noticed that something didn't seem right to me also is like that they blamed her for the domestic altercation that can be considered a domestic abuse victim who comes out as being feeling guilty about it trying to placate the other guy so a lot of that's going to come out but TikTok and these uh, and Instagram and all these social media platforms we know are targeting or at least having ill effects on young white women so they're going to act like the policy is designed to helping these mentally ill girls through these platforms, but it's definitely going to make it worse. Yes. Watch a show called Clickbait that just came out on Netflix, and you will see this exact story we're watching play out here, play out there. And to your point earlier, I think the feds know exactly where the guy was. They knew it. He was at his house. They let him go on purpose because they wanted to see how their whole of society approach to policing, to letting the people do it through social media, has improved since it started on January 6th. Oh, I don't even... I'm not even... I think they probably set this whole thing up from the beginning. I'm trying to get a Maybe. little backstory on these people. The, the br- uncle is now suing the lawyer. Petito's uncle is suing Laundry's lawyer. So that issue might come up. Like, when do people deserve to be defended? When do they not? Now they're showing dark themes on Laundry's Instagram, weird <sighs> stuff, a book called How to Deal with Autistic Burnout. There's just too many themes here yeah. for this to be organic, in my opinion. Interesting. I mean, but that's not the only the, the the social media thing is obviously used for a thousand different uh, purposes and it's not stopping now. I mean, I, I'm really scared of like TikTok and stuff and not for the reason that it's in the news, like the devious licks challenge, but I am really scared of it. Yeah, there's a devious licks challenge on T. I was going to say TNT. Where, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. On TikTok. TikTok has all of these challenges that young people will do because they want to get in on the bandwagon. just shows how easily they can be compelled to certain behavior. But the Devious Licks Challenge inspires students, has been going on for a couple of months, to go to their schools and to steal and vandalize their schools. There's been schools in New Jersey and Connecticut that have had thousands of dollars worth of plumbing damages to their toilet. Vending machines are being destroyed. There's been over 94,000 of these videos of students vandalizing and stealing from their schools have been posted to TikTok. This is interesting because TikTok is such a social experiment, like everything else. But when you can compel 94,000 young people to film themselves breaking the law at their own school, setting themselves up to ruin the rest of their life, what else can you compel them to do? What can you get this mob of people to do next under the guise of a TikTok challenge because they desire this fame, this attention that you can get through it? This is such a powerful control mechanism. They, I remember they hit the youth thing just after I noticed that the age dialectic hadn't really been exploited fully. And then they rolled that out after Parkland. It was um, Valentine's Day 2018, the day the internet by the last nails in the coffin for the internet. And and I think what these kids don't understand, and I, and I believe the vaccine propaganda is a perfect example of this, is that they they want so much to be part of the moment, the social media moment or whatever that moment is, that what they'll do is they don't care about the future implications. They don't they they don't look ahead. And that is a problem of youth. It's also a problem of like people with low IQ. They say they like they cannot delay gratification. So you could tell them that that this moment of fame on TikTok or whatever would ruin their lives 
and they just they they won't believe it. They not only won't like listen to it, but they won't believe it because they feel the power of the crowd. The power of that digital crowd is so important to them. They cannot believe that it will ever be wrong. But then I can't help but look at the 2017 Spars document that said, should we acknowledge we're going to scenario this out? Should we acknowledge the sacrifice that people made getting the vaccine before all the information was in? So what the kids, because they're so young, they don't know that. And, and when you get older, you actually see situations where someone was on top of the world. That's why there are expressions like the bigger they are, the harder they fall, because these things happen. They are set up. This That entire generation is probably getting set up for reproductive issues. They are getting negated. They're getting neutralized for a lot of reasons from, you know, possibly attacked for mentally and physically. They don't understand. They think that they are part of uh, a larger social scheme. And I think that they are going to be sacrificed to uh, a long-term plan. But I mean, maybe I'm just being uh, uh, extreme and paranoid, but it's a possibility and they just cannot see it. They are, And they're deliberately targeting an age group that cannot understand that. I can't imagine what kind of parents that generation TikTok is going to be. I don't think they're going to be parents. I mean, if there's any reproductive issue with the vaccines, which I predicted from the beginning before it actually came out that people were complaining about these problems. But so I anticipated who would a popular what would a population control guy do with a vaccine if he could design it to do anything, of course, control the population. And since Pfizer is being given to teenagers and only Pfizer, I have to assume there's a reason for that. I don't know exactly what the reason is, but I, I, I mean, Bill Gates, number one goal is popular control, you know, and he's the spear, the point of the spear here on the vaccine thing. So, I, I mean, the, the best answer right now, the one to beat is that it's a reproductive issue. Well, we've talked a lot about Australia and their vaccine lockdown issues. Well, oh New gosh. Zealand. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. They uh, I have something about Australia. They had an earthquake. Let me tell you about that when you get tell me what you got and I'll give you this. New Zealand has some pretty strict lockdown measures also because of the coronavirus and something happened there yesterday that's gonna sound kind of humorous but i actually believe is an illustration of when a country's government has gone too far and the people are probably getting close to a breaking point here's the story yesterday two men were arrested in Auckland, new zealand after police said that they found them with a car full of bootlegged illicit Kentucky Fried Chicken and over $100,000 in cash as they tried to cross the border into Auckland despite New Zealand's strict COVID-19 lockdown. So they were arrested because they were trying to run from police when the police came after them. Now, mind you, they have illicit Kentucky Fried Chicken in the car. That's what this story is calling it. And they were so afraid of getting caught with Kentucky Fried Chicken that they did a U-turn and got into a chase with police that led to an accident. It happens all the time. It happened twice in my town here since in the past year and a half. Uh... It's, it happens so often, you rarely see it, but the helicopters, when you see the hel- the cop helicopters, what happens is they chase somebody off the highway. The highway ends around here. So they chase somebody off the highway, and the person getting chased off the highway doesn't stop for the light at the end of the exit ramp. Like, the traffic out here, like, the way the roads work is wacky. It's really weird. And, uh, and they come, and then the people, the innocent people who were just going through their green light get T-boned twice. Innocent people get T-boned. And when I heard the cops talking about it, they're like, oh, well, that'll stop them. It's like, what the F? They yeah. should not. They have helicopters. They don't need to chase these guys. Right. 
Well, in New Zealand, the reason that the guy's running is because they are at a level four lockdown and they cannot order fast food takeout. It's an illicit substance to do so. Like last week, there was a guy charged by police after posting a social media vid- video of crossing into the Auckland boundary in search of a McDonald's. He was arrested for that. And these people are risking their lives running from cops because they fear crashing less than they fear getting caught with KFC from the police. If your country, citizens, if they fear getting caught with marijuana less than they fear getting caught with a bucket of popcorn chicken, then your government has gone too far. And it's stuff like this when these everyday items, these things that were normal in people's lives, have suddenly become illicit black market activities. When that happens and people are being chased by cops for them, then the public starts to use those things in past protest instances as symbols of the resistance. I could actually see KSC becoming a symbol of the New Zealand resistance when the people have just had enough of this type of strict lockdown. I mean, this is insane. Well, but it won't because they want to stay. They want to keep going to Klaus's parties. So they're not going to let that happen. They'll come out and do something to offend those people on purpose. I'm sure of that. If that's where it came, they just would not accept being that. The But the what I think is happening, because Australia was having, happen, having those protests. So I was listening to the radio this morning and it said there was an earthquake in Australia. And I'm thinking, Australia it does not have a lot of earthquakes. And I thought, and I know nothing about Australia. I don't know where the plates are, but I was just thinking, isn't the plate like around India and stuff? I don't know. What do I know? But I thought the only thing I thought was, I bet it's in the south because that's where the protests were. And wouldn't you know it? Look at the map. It is like the dead south tip of Australia. And I started looking into it because I'm confident that they can make earthquakes. I remember William Engdahl suggested that the first Haitian earthquake was was deliberate and that Bush and Clinton rushed down there to be on the scene because like there's oil there or something. I don't know. I never heard of that, but but there might be anyway. So ever since then, I was like, wow, they can really do earthquakes. And then I've seen lots of indications that they have. And I think they've admitted that the Navy has done earthquakes. There's tons and tons of articles about fracking and fossil fuel extraction of various kinds causing accidentally causing man-made earthquakes. And in my mind, of course, if man can accidentally make an earthquake, of course, he can deliberately make an earthquake just by doing those things that maybe would unintendedly, but they can do it anyway. They can light off bombs. They can pump water in there. They can just do different things to create earthquakes. And I don't know. um, I can't find. So I thought, well, how can I find evidence that the military actually experiments on that stuff? And I and so I looked it up and it's like, "Ah, it's not there. And I said, oh, I know. I'll I'll say, does the Russian military experiment with this stuff? So, of course, I found and, you know, articles about it's called tectonic weaponry. And yes, they can. Um, So I just think that's funny. Anytime you're word like bioweapon research just like right russia and then you'll actually find the truth about bioweapons that's hilarious it is it's really funny so oh and while i was looking at this so like with haiti had another earthquake because they were a little uppity i looked up about um Australia's history of earthquakes. There's only one fatal earthquake ever in Australia's history, and it was deemed to be by the people I was reading, at least a good argument from people in the know, that it was created by some kind of mining or fossil fuel extraction activity, that it was a man-made earthquake. So I'm, I, I feel like that's what happens there, and I think we're going to see more earthquakes like that coming out in the future. Watch out your protests. They'll talk about, they'll, they'll somehow tie it to climate change, even if it's just about the dangers of fossil fuel extraction. 
information. I don't know, but they'll 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 weaponize it by using it to disrupt things and they'll weaponize it by using it to um, enact policies. But one thing we had that fantastic Zoom roundtable. I love that name, Zoom roundtable over the weekend. And we actually started the Zoom parties because people in um, Europe or on that side of the uh, globe could not make our DPPs because of the time change because they were on Friday night. So we do it during the day. And this will be the and the guy we who is like the star from the beginning, our friend Terry from the Canary Islands. This is the first Zoom party he's missed. And he missed it because he had to evacuate for a volcano. So that volcano was really going strong there still, apparently. Um, it's off. Uh, it's a, These are islands off the west coast of Africa. And we really hope that Terry's okay. And uh, so that's that. But I, I well, maybe we'll hear from him in the next Zoom party. Yeah, stay safe, Terry. Yeah. I think I saw him pop up in the Discord if I'm Oh, okay. Great. I think. Yeah. I was worried about him because he did say they were fine, but then I keep seeing news about the volcanoes. So, Those things terrify me. Volcanoes? Yeah, it's like hell about to just burst up out okay, of the mountain. Okay, but... Are there a lot of volcanoes in Georgia? No, there's not. I'm happy that there's not a lot of volcanoes in Georgia. <laughs> I want to move to the Cape Verde Islands. And, uh, well, I want to move everywhere. You know that, right? I want to move to Georgia. <laughs> I want to move to the Cape Verde Islands. I want to move to the Canary Islands. But, uh, the, but the Cape Verde Islands, I think they might even be in danger. I don't know. They're not too far from the Canary Islands. But anyway... Huh. So that was a little bit of a whirlwind uh, first uh, first segment of the free 30. Wow. Very I have interesting. to catch my breath. I meant to tell you, you said something about Island, just a little quick aside. We were recently the number one podcast in the Turks and Caicos, Caicos Islands. A wow. That, wow. We should have a meetup in the Turks and Caicos. We write it off on our taxes. And <laughs> well, you know what I noticed? I noticed that we are high up in the rankings at places that have strict lockdown measures. Oh, interesting. I really feel the DPPs got people through lockdown a little bit. Certainly got me through lockdown. I really look forward to them. But uh, Jim, one of our many JJs, suggested that the next Zoom party be expat focused. So people from other countries who live here, people from other countries, uh, people who live in other countries and listen to the show, or maybe even people who've spent a lot of time living in other countries. So let's do that. I think it's going to be October 30th, day before Halloween. We'll have a little Halloween theme, maybe. But you don't have to be a patron saint if you have relevant relevant information about the theme. So if you're an expat, if you live here, have any kind of foreign experience living in a different country from the one you grew up in, email me at thepropagandareportpodcast at gmail.com and I will include you in the next Zoom party. And um, patron saints, mark your calendars for October 30th. Do it in pencil, not in pen. But uh, let's go for that. And now... All right, before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, which is going to be about government-induced instability at home and abroad, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the Patreon 15. Monica identifies a historical pattern and wonders if we're repeating it right now, and the Trump rally at the world's greatest fair in Perry, Georgia, to go or not to go. I'm going to give you some advice here on that. And of course, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science. True Hemp Science, as you know, they are the CBD experts, lots of lots of fantastic products and just cool people with great information. They are now offering the Propaganda Report community 40% off of a 10 milliliter bottle of number 23 full spectrum CBD MCT oil when you purchase any product for more than 43.99. 
www.truehempscience.com slash propaganda report. The coupon should apply automatically, but just in case, use the code PROP23. True Hemp Science has truly fantastic products. My back was hurting me last night because I've been having a hard time sleeping, so I put some of their rub on it to try and kind of ease some of that pain, and it helps me every single time. Smells great, feels great, great t-shirts, great Acapulco lotion. Check them out, truehempscience.com slash prop report. Support us by supporting our sponsors. And also, as you all know, we are making a big move. We are no longer posting just the Patron 45 every day. Don't get us wrong, we're still going to be posting a 45-minute commercial-free drive time news blast most every weekday afternoon, but it's no longer called the Patron 45 because it's not just for patrons anymore. We are now posting the full premium content, free DNB, now called DNBXR. That's XR for extended release, not for X-rated, X-rated, though you might have to put the earmuffs on the kids because you never know where it's going to go. But we will, we will be posting the full 45-minute commercial-free DNBXR on Rockfin Premium every time we post one on Patreon. So for $9.99 a month, you can get all of our premium drive-time news blast content on Rockfin. That's full 45-minute DNBXR every day we post a show, plus our Rockfin-only deep dives, as well as all of the other content from all of the other great Rockfin creators on the platform. It's a deal you do not want to miss out on, so check us out at rockfin.com slash report today. With that said, now on to our final story of the free 30. All right. So here's the thing. I just have a couple of quick hits here. It's really not just uh, one story, but for starters, okay, you know, you know, my theory, like, or you've heard me say the statistic before, and I've, lo- I've observed this for years. The, in a, the United States defense budget is 50% of the defense budget for the world, roughly. So it's equal to the defense spending of everyone else in the world combined, all of our enemies combined, and all of our allies combined. Okay? So the whole entire world could unite against us and and have less firepower than we do because they use the same money, but they don't coordinate. So they can't really... Um, level up the way we can. There's a lot of economies to scale. If you could take half the world, you know, a billion dollars, a trillion dollars, which is what it is basically, and put it all into like one weapon system, it's going to be better than dividing one trillion dollars up into 200 and what they can do with that. Okay. So we are, we should by that measure be so dominant militarily that there's never any threat to us whatsoever. And that, and we're talking like we're equal to the allies and our enemies combined. So we, we should be able to lean on our allies a little bit. You know, we shouldn't even have to equal anyway. So, so why do we continue to have threats from abroad? And I observed a long time ago, like when a drone crashed in Iran or Stuxnet was discovered by the Iranian government. And now they have like they reverse engineer these things. So then they have these advanced weapons, cyber weapons, drone weaponry. They have this advanced technology because our stuff just happened to fall out of the sky, literally. And they're not stupid. So they just looked at it. It's like, oh, excellent. I get it now. You know, if if it weren't possible to do that, there wouldn't be patents and copyrights and stuff because nobody would be able to figure stuff out. But they can. So 
But I think they give it to them just so they can then plausibly say this is a real threat. That is what I think happened in Afghanistan. So the news today was, oh, my gosh, they're just they're just pulling apart these helicopters. They're looking at whatever we gave uh, many years ago. We gave like stinger missiles to Osama's Afghans like we actually armed them with that because they were our allies in Afghanistan. So we have been giving the radical Islamists in Afghanistan weapons like this that really scare us for mm, since 1979, I'm thinking, since Carter and Brzezinski started Charlie Wilson's war or whatever it was called. It's called Operation something like that. It's like hand-me-down weapons almost while we build the bigger, more sophisticated Yes, ones. yes. And and they have to have like the the our current gen to justify us leveling up and continuing this expanded um, budgeting. And in my mind, they do it on purpose. Like when Robert Oppenheimer supposedly, like this isn't the official narrative, but everybody kind of knows that Oppenheimer gave the bomb to the commies because he was secretly a commie. Like it's not because he was secretly a commie. It's because he was working for the guys who make bombs. So (laughs) how many nuclear bombs? Why would you ever make more nuclear bombs than you needed to destroy the entire world? Well, because the other guy has just as many. Even then it stops making sense. You know, it's that mutual assured destruction but it's it's the tried and true it's the way to keep war time spending levels up even when you don't have a war and they've done it in afghanistan i don't expect i expect that to be a continuing narrative for decades to come that they have stuff that make us scared and we have to always be on our guard yada 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 um but the other kind of manufactured crisis or there are two other manufactured crisis that i saw in the news today one is is, can you believe they are still trotting out this, oh my gosh, will Congress increase the debt limit? Oh my gosh, this is, you know, the Republicans have a stranglehold on the process and we would be an incredible economic crisis if the debt limit, blah, blah, blah. That's you a know, great impersonation, by the way. Of all of Congress together. Yes. That is, okay. that was the animating ghost of the entire Congress. So actually, I think it was animated by the picture of Janet Yellen that I saw. That was the face of this crisis, just having an, you know, like incompetent female look on her face. I hate that stuff. So uh, the okay, And then the other thing is and the thing that the debt crisis and the migrant crisis have in common is these are. These are arguably, if you're a minarchist rather than an anarchist like I am, and you actually think there's some purpose, like my dad thought, like the army, police, and the courts, there were legitimate purpose, it would kind of fall in the vaguely legitimate purpose of, or a solidly legitimate purpose, like to control the borders and to um, reconcile the budget or whatever. Like those two things are clearly within the realm of of the the purview of the responsibilities of these elected officials no matter where you are, like that's a bad, if you believe in this course of monopoly, (laughs) territorial monopoly on the use of force, this is where it comes from. The very least we could expect them to do competently would be these two things because the actual problem doesn't change. All you need for either of these things is just a a, a valid process. Like you can't part, pass a spending bill without reconciling it with the budget before the bill passes. And then that's binding. You know, that where just, does the corruption come in, though? You can't eliminate these opportunities for massive corruption. You can. No, you can. You can. You can. What's the, the point the of corruption even being is, a politician, then? The corruption is in the details. It's not the corruption that's the yeah. problem. It's the process 
constantly, constantly, constantly failing. That's the problem. I mean, if these guys are masters at anything, it's the process. So at the border, just have your rules. The, the executive orders, first of all, are unconstitutional. But second of all, just have rules, whatever they are. Like, we can't agree with them. They change every time there's like a new guy in office. This is this is a level of This is the system truly not working at all, but this system can work and it should work. And the way and and if the media didn't cover it as this out of control, I don't know what to do, um, tripping over your own feet kind of crisis. There was there actually was a budget reconciliation bill maybe 15 years ago. I forget the name of it, but it was I mean, I I hate government taxation and stuff, but it would totally have worked and it should have been passed. So there are answers. And if the media weren't so devoted to the chaos that the government is causing, then we would have some political sanity in even in that stuff. Well, that system not working actually reinforces the media's power that they have. It could work and it should work, but if it did work, it wouldn't work for those who right now are holding and maintaining power. They would lose that power, so therefore they are incentivized to make it not work. That's why somebody at WSB said to me when Obama was running for office, you're happier, you're better off if Obama wins, because then you'll have something to talk about. So very interesting, interesting point. All right, let's wrap it up with a shout out from Matt. He was on the Zoom call. What a a lovely guy. Really, really like this guy and his beautiful wife and their gorgeous kids were there too. I did drop an F-bomb, sorry. (laughs) Oh yeah. So yeah, Matt wants to shout out Michael Wan, our friend Michael Wan, who we've had on the show before. Matt just started listening- to Michael's new podcast, Susquehanna Alchemy. Uh, Michael loves all the synchro mysticism, hoping Michael the best with his new venture. And I'll tell you, I want to do a meetup if we can ever get Michael to agree to it. And I'm within three hour drive of there, maybe next summer, if I go to New Jersey, the Jersey Shore again, I want him to take us on a tour of the Susquehanna River Valley, or at least part of it that has this kind of synchro mystical um, power that he talks about. I would really I'd love to hear that because the Susquehanna River, he says, is the oldest current on earth. So anyway, we've got so much more to talk about. I Oh, I have those health tips I wanted to give you. I'll do that in the XR. Fantastic. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to all that extra content we were telling you about, go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report where you can hear the DMB XR which we are about to go into or you can also sign up at patreon.com slash propaganda report we will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the DNB XR have a fantastic rest of your day thank you Monica thank y'all for listening <laughs>